0: Hi, welcome. I have today with me Timothy Workman, and uh I wanted you to meet Timmy because she is building a better boat. uh What does that mean? uh we're gonna tell you about it shortly, but first of all, let me kind of set this the stage um in Timothy's world, think of travel as her ocean uh she's on a float that's less traveled. She's discovering how she can make a difference while stepping outside her comfort zone. I am really excited for you to get to meet my friend, Timothea. And Timothea, welcome. Carrie, this
1: is so exciting. I love this. It's really fun. Um, I love that so, fun. fun. so we're doing this together. We're learning. That introduction is really
0: great. So thank you very much. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, to to get to know Timmy is to understand that she's pretty complex. Um, She's an award-winning writer. She's a photographer, a a mother, a wife. She's a retired educator. She's a solo traveler. She leads tours to exotic places, and she lives the van life in her off times. Uh, We meet every August, like clockwork work at a book passages travel writers and photographers conference and we sneak in a trip now and then when we can. I really think you're going to like uh Timothy and I just um I'm so excited to have you on a, my second podcast. Yay, Terry. Yay. <laughs> so I don't know how much you know about the podcast but it's Terry's doing it. Podcast isn't not really about me. It's about Passionate people who get out there and make things happen um, because they couldn't live with themselves if they didn't.
1: Does that description fit you? Why or why not? Well, yeah, absolutely. And we've had fun talking about this because when I had been teaching for about 37 years in high school, I was offered a pretty amazing project as a new job within the high school. It's a Uh, creative writing program that they wanted me to set up for the school as a major for this arts high school. And it was something that if you'd asked me about 20 years ago, I would have been so excited. It's a dream job. But I thought about it. And I thought if I take this job, I'm going to need about 10 to 15 years to really set it up the way that I want to set it up in this public arts high school. And Then I realized that all I would be doing with my life, because I can't ignore the fact that each year adds an extra year to my life and Mm -hmm. takes away one less from however long I'm going to be here. Sounds familiar. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's not a morbid thought, but it's a realistic thought, you know, and if you don't pay attention to that, you might miss out. And I thought, if I take this, then All I will be doing with my life is teaching, which is wonderful, and I love it, and I love the kids, and being in the classroom is just so awesome, but I know that there are more things I want to do with my life than just be in a classroom, so I turned down the job and I retired, and since then, I have been discovering new ways for me to make a difference in the world. I've been discovering parts of myself that maybe I didn't pay attention to while I was raising a child, while I was supporting my husband and his work, and, and all the committees and all the things that you're on to help make the community better. And I just decided that I wanted to pay attention to those dreams that I've had ever since I was little which includes writing which includes traveling which includes just exploring more outside the bubble that i live in and uh i've been doing that so that's a little bit yeah so yes it resonates and you also asked the question about um having no regrets one yeah. of the ways that i'm using that question in my life now is when a bunch of different opportunities come my way and each one sounds pretty cool i've been asking myself if i don't do that will I regret not having done it when it's my turn to go off to Mars or wherever, wherever the next That is is. a
0: great rubric for any decision that you make. I, I
1: try to encourage people to adopt that one. Um, It it does make such a huge difference because it then becomes pretty clear when, when you ask yourself that, you know, it would be great, but I'm not going to regret not having done it. But the things that you would regret are very crystal clear.
0: Yes, yes. Well, um, I want to get back to those things. But first, I, I know enough about you to know that teaching is at the heart of who you are. And I'm curious about how did you develop that? What made you want to, to teach people?
1: Well, if you ask my, my little sister, she would say when we were growing up, and my brother too, that I was a boss. And I would pass all the kids in the neighborhood around. But what I would do, I was thinking about this because it's pretty funny. I think you are who you are from the time you're like seven years old. Um, And I would create these tours to take everyone on around our neighborhood. We had a little stream behind our house that opened up into a little pond with a little rowboat. And I would take kids from the neighborhood on these tours And because I love history so much, I would throw in some historical facts. But then I created all these stories because I love storytelling. And I would make up the story about the young kids who used to live there and what had happened to them. And then they discovered this thing over here. And and I would be rowing the boat and taking them around and then make them get out of the boat and follow me through the woods. And then I would tell them all these other stories. And um, in a way, it was a form of teaching because I was teaching them some of the history of the area. I was traveling. I mean, I was doing everything I'm doing now, which is kind wow. of crazy, storytelling and everything.
0: That is crazy. Well, so you have told me before that you have a heart for people who are marginalized mm. who are bullied. Talk a little bit about how you um, use teaching to help kids and others who found themselves on the short end of the stick.
1: Well, that absolutely is another one of the main reasons I went into teaching. I had had a really rough time when I was in school, basically just describing the kind of kid I was. You can see (laughs) it's not like every other kid out there. And uh, I didn't fit in as easily in the community I was growing up in and um, was definitely bullied. And it was pretty severe. And my way of dealing with it was just to retreat into myself until I got a little bit older and I was trying to decide what do I want to do with my life? What career do I want to have? And I wanted to do something that felt worthwhile. And going back to the scene of the crime, going back to high school and rescuing kids who were in that same situation that I had been in felt very worthwhile because everybody needs to be seen. They need to be acknowledged for who they are, acknowledged for their value, their worth. And if you have somebody see you, you start believing in yourself and then also the people around everyone and around this person sees that they're valuable and they start treating them differently. And so I think that's the real reason I went into Mm -hmm. teaching. And and the reason I picked English was because I love storytelling. I love writing. Writing to me is like a superpower, so much fun to do. And um, I also wanted to add elements of history and Kids being able to express their own voice and feeling more confident in who they were.
0: That's really important. Uh, everybody needs an advocate that mm-hmm. stands up and kind of um pushes things back while they can get their feet under them and mm-hmm. and go on to do whatever it is that they really want to do. I'm really curious. And uh, I know I sent you a bunch of questions, and we're Thank you for letting going me look at me first. <laughs> we are going way out of order. I'm I'm just Sorry. going off, <laughs> off track here. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, how we met. The first time that we met, we went to both went. I think it was your first year too. Mm-hmm. To book passage, travel writers and and photographers conference. And both of us signed up for Don George's one-day foray into San Francisco. Uh, There were a group of, I don't know, maybe 10 of us that went. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a great time. It was awesome. Oh, it was wonderful. I went on that trip with a little bit of background in the city of San Francisco. I grew up north of San Francisco. I always admired everything that went on, particularly it was the days of of Winterland and Bill Graham and all those exciting times. You actually worked for Bill Graham. Talk a little bit about what that part of your life was like.
1: Well, it was so fun to meet you on that boat because oh, yeah. we're the same generation. We had the same history with the city and that it really was an important part of our development and and just our culture and the music and the art and the food and everything about it. Just love that city so much. And so I hadn't returned in a while and I don't think you had either. No. But part of what we were doing was, because it was a travel writing conference, was to walk around San Francisco and find stories. And you and I, I think both found a lot of our stories there. And we're looking at it through the lens of how things are now and how we are different now, but also it was a way for us to kind of go back and meet ourselves at that time. So Mm -hmm. I had moved to San Francisco after college and had a number of different jobs in the entertainment industry. I worked for the band Journey for a while, and worked on putting together their album covers for their solo projects, and uh, merchandising. And that was fascinating to to learn how to do that, and just to be around that whole kind of musical, like right in the heart of it there. And uh, I went back and on the walk went and visited the old building I used to live in, which is now I think the Indonesian consulate. Which was it was closed because it was an Indonesian holiday, and and I couldn't go in and see my old see my old office, but. Um, That was really fun. And then I also worked for Bill Graham for a while. His offices had been firebombed after he had taken out a one-page ad against um, Reagan visiting uh, a camp over in uh, Germany, a Nazi uh, camp. And so he had taken out uh, an ad, and then his offices had been firebombed. And I said, hey, what can I do? Let me come over. I'll go through rubble. I'll do anything I can to help you out. Ended up getting a job and worked there for a while uh, to help build the Shoreline Amphitheater and put on the concert live aid. And that was really fun. I met a really cute musician who was managed by by Bill Graham's management division and thought, this is odd to be dating one of our clients. I shouldn't be dating him or I shouldn't be working for the company. So I chose the boy and uh, who is now my husband after many years (laughs) And uh, it was a good decision. Then I worked for Lucasfilm for a while up there, all the while trying to figure out what do I want to do with my life? I want it to be interesting and exciting, but I want to make a difference. And that's when I got the idea, oh, you should teach high school. So that's what I did. So then I travel.
0: How do you get from rock music in the Bay Area, in the the halcyon days of of the San Francisco scene, to teaching, to movies, to travel and travel writing?
1: Well, travel is is really a good, it it fits into all those things you were talking about. So if you are teaching school, you get a summer off, usually. You can choose to teach Mm -hmm. summer school if you want, but you got all this time off. In the United States, you know, we get like one to two weeks in most jobs. And I thought, no, that's a good one for me because I can make a difference and I get this chunk of time to travel. Um, Also, my husband, being a musician, toured a lot. And during the summer, I was free. He was touring. We wanted to spend time together. So I would work as a tour, assistant tour manager for different bands that he was playing with. I got to tour with Todd Rundgren one summer, and that was super fun. and it's. It was a form of travel. We're traveling in a tour bus all over the country. I love road trips, which is one of the reasons I love having my van and traveling in that. And I love traveling internationally. And my husband was in bands that would travel internationally. So I would go out and meet him, mostly in Europe. That was where most of the bands were he was with. But sometimes we would go outside of that a little bit. And it all kind of just fit really well together so that I had a nice balance. Okay,
0: so talk about, this is kind of a little, maybe it's not off topic, but I've heard you say that when you are in a relationship with a high profile person, you are invisible.
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, that's every time we go on a red carpet, he writes music for film and television now, and we go on a red carpet and everybody's taking pictures of him. And they're all like, oh, you know, who is that? Who is that? And then they go, oh, she's no one. And all the cameras (laughs) stop. So all that blinking light goes away and it's pitch dark, Um, which I've gotten used to when, if you look on the internet and put his name in it, 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 I'm always plus one or ant guest. That's my name. (laughs) Um, So you get to be a little invisible, you know, and that's totally fine because it's not my time to shine anyway, but it is kind of funny to be treated as if you're just not even a human. You're just, you know, a prop which is kind of strange, but but it's, it's been an interesting fun experience to be around that industry and see what it's like from behind the scenes, because I'm not the only plus one or and guest there's many of us there and we have a great time talking and laughing about it. And it's fun.
0: Well, the, the, the thing I really love about your uh, relationship is my understanding is that he was in total agreement. This is your time. Go out and make it what you want it to be. Was there a conversation that you had that led to that? Or did
1: you just kind of slide into it? Well, we've been together for, I don't even know, coming up on like 35 or 40 years, I stopped counting. Um, He's my family, you know, so I'm not counting it. Um, When I first met him, he made it very clear to me that music was his number one priority, over everything, over our relationship, over anything that was out there. He wanted to pursue music and that's changed as we've become parents. His number one priority now is my son, his son, (laughs) our son, um, and me, but music is still obviously incredibly important to him. But I knew right from the beginning that I was going to be going into this relationship and supporting him. He wasn't going to help out with anything around the house or the um, yard And that was fine. I wanted to support his music too. And I knew he needed to put 100% of his effort into it in order to become successful the way that he has. And he has been very kind and grateful for that support that I gave him through the years. And so when I said, now I want to do something that's important to me and I want to pursue my writing and I want to travel more and see the world and kind of figure out what my next step is, He didn't even blink an eye. He didn't even pause. The only thing he said is, do you really have to have it be traveled? (laughs) Do you really have to leave? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. That's the only way to (laughs) see the world. Uh, And then he said, well, okay. So so we know how to keep in touch. We know how to have um, the marriage work. When he would be gone on tour all the time, we kind of figured out what the balance is to how often we need to talk to each other, how often we need to see each other. Three weeks is about, the maximum we like to go. So I I would usually fly out to wherever he was and just reconnect. And it's important to have those times together, but we know how to make it work. So now it's just ironic. He's the one that's at home taking care of the cats and the house. And I'm the one that is out in the van, traveling around, doing my road trips, traveling around the world, doing my tours. And, um, it's, it's a total role reversal.
0: Well, let's talk about the van, because when I met you, <laughs> you traveled to the conference in your van, mm-hmm. you slept in the parking lot, You, uh, <laughs> I kept offering that you could come in and use my shower, you, you, you didn't take me up on it. What is it
1: like traveling like that by yourself? I love my van. First of all, that is like the best gift that my husband said, you know, you, you taught school for 37 years, what do you... What do you want? You know, and you don't ever really ask for much. I said, I really want a van. And he said, Well, go for it. And I custom designed it and worked with a builder called Zen Vans in Portland, who are fabulous with all these sustainable materials like bamboo and aluminum that are lightweight and designed it specifically for myself. So I have a place where I can write, uh, can sleep, be really safe have uh, a comfortable little area for people to come over and visit so sometimes i have my friends who are traveling in vans also will be at the same place and it'll be raining or dark or cold or something and they'll come over into my van and i have bench seats with tables and we can have a really great dinner we can play a game and uh, it's it's really like my little house so when i visit people so i'm not just out in nature and in wild areas which I love being in those places, but I'm also in suburban areas or even in the cities. When I'm at a friend's house and they say, Hey, you sleep in our guest room, I say, You know, I actually brought my room with me, kind of right. like Turtle. <laughs> my <laughs> yeah. little shell. So yeah. I go back into my room and it has all of the things in it that make me feel comfortable, the, the sheets and the blankets and the pillow that I like. I have all my toiletries in the area that I want and my sink and I can make my coffee and, and be all cozy in there. And it's, it's super fun. So um, I appreciate the offer for the shower. I'll probably take you up on it at some point, but I will tell you <laughs> that one of the things I've learned is that I can take a shower and wash my hair in my van, so that's fine. But I also have learned that... Thank goodness. I also learned that there's this really great spa, not very far from Book Passage, that um, if you pay for a small massage, you get day use of the facilities, so I can go and get a... (laughs) Nice. Take a shower.
0: So how many miles are on the van now? Um, I think I'm up to only 70,000.
1: It's fairly new. Only 70.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it seems like when you're not traveling out of the country, you're traveling in the van. Mm-hmm. Uh you're in uh, I'll see you on Facebook. You're in Seattle, you're in Idaho. You're you're like kind of like a ping pong ball. It's it allows you to be very mobile.
1: Oh, it's so wonderful. So my family yeah. lives up in Seattle. I live down in LA and during COVID, I had a little trailer that I would pull back and forth with me. And that was great, except from a safety standpoint, I didn't feel it was the best thing for me because I, because during COVID, so many of the campgrounds and areas were shut down. And I mm-hmm. was out in areas that normally there would be a few more people around. Um, but I would be the only one there except at midnight when somebody was trying to crawl into my trailer and uh, there was no way I could get out safely to get in the car to drive away because I would have to hitch up everything and be outside with, this person who's trying to get in and that happened twice and I just decided I want a van that I literally can roll out of bed and walk over to the steering wheel get in the driver's seat and drive away if I need to. Sure. I just feel safer in it uh, from that standpoint and it's great I got a small one it's only a 144 wheelbase which means I can park in a regular parking spot at the grocery store or I can parallel park and um it's trailers are a little bit more difficult than that
0: sure yeah. How many countries do you think that you've gone to um, since you started all of this?
1: Um, well, in my life, I should be able to tell you this. I think it's it's on my Instagram page, but I don't know if I've upgraded at all. It's probably 56, 57 countries. I've been to 49 states. Need to go to that last one. <laughs> um, what, what's the last one? What is it? It's actually, it will be fun to go to. It's North Dakota. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's don't go in the winter no probably not I'll probably go Mm -hmm. I want to go to North Dakota and one of the cities there has a stadium where they have like solid wood chairs that are like beautiful chairs with gorgeous leather seats and I I don't know I I read something about that at one point I thought well I need to go there for that reason just because I'll see a game in a really beautiful comfortable chair you know um but well, maybe if I'm, anyone is listening
0: who lives in North Dakota, you can send in some, some suggestions,
1: suggestions to me yes. yeah, for sure. Yes. But I will say that one of my most fun activities around travel is the research. You know, me, mm-hmm. I love researching. I love reading about a place. I love looking at photographs. I love the history. I love the literature that's been written and listening to the music and eating the food. And before I go somewhere, if I have time, I'll kind of just, take all that in as much as I possibly can. And then when I get there, it's really exciting because there's things that I'm so familiar with, but only two dimensionally. And mm-hmm. suddenly it just opens up. And there actually have been quite a few places that I've gone to just because I've seen a photo and I thought, that's a cool place. I need to go there. Where is well, this? I
0: loved we we traveled to England in October. It was so fun. Uh and one of the big Bennies to traveling with you is that before we even left the United States. We each got a um, this to
1: two digest condensed book.
0: <laughs> about to Two
1: pages of notes and it was 16. And I'm sorry, but oh I
0: can not stop myself. No, it was great. It was great. And I think maybe that gives me a good understanding for one of your ventures. We are talking about building new boats and we're going to get back to that conversation. But one of the things that you did when you came to the first conference was you brought some beautiful guidebooks and journals with you uh, that you were there to share with others and get helpful input. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so impressed with those journals.
1: Talk, talk a little bit about them. Um, well, thank you. That was why are they different? I love writing when I'm traveling, and I love keeping a journal. And there's a lot of different things that I do within the journal. So it becomes a scrapbook. It becomes a daily diary, but it also becomes a place for me to record conversations that I hear or just write, describe a scene or sketch something, paste things down in. So it's this like really cool souvenir at the end of the trip to come home with It ends up being this real thick book and it brings back the memories from the trip in a way that, just photos on a little screen don't do. And so I wanted to share that with other people. And I've been planning trips for people for many, many years, taking my high school students on different scientific research trips, other, other travels. And I've always made books for them. My son's, uh, I don't know if you want to call it his curse or his, um, his gift is that he's got a mom who will make these books for him when he was little, when we would go to trips and he would have all these things to read and write in and design his own flag. And if he had a dragon on it, like they do in Wales and we were visiting Wales, what kind of dragon would he draw? And um, I've loved putting those together. So I thought it would be fun for me to create these books that people could use on any trip, probably for about a two week trip. And they have some prompts in there about, Uh, different things you can write about if you're not quite sure what to write about. They have uh, places for you to fill in information about the place that you're going to visit, areas with maps you can draw, how far your plane is flying and the route that they're taking, just a lot of those kinds of things. And uh, they've been really successful. I I think we've um, done a couple print runs and we're sold out and uh, I'm revising it again and it should be ready fairly soon so that I can uh, offer them to people again. And I have had fun making guidebooks for specific countries as well. So it's the same journal, but then it has all the information about the country in it too. And I'm calling them companion guidebooks. Those have been successful too. And I'm just trying to decide, should I be spending my time working on those or should I be spending it doing other things? And you know, because we've talked about this, that journal writing is so important to me that I thought it would be really fun to write a book about journal writing and all the different kinds of things you can do in a journal different kinds of journals that that you could do and the difference between a handwritten one and a digital one and how ai plays into it and all these other things and so i've already started that and I'm really excited about it
0: well so you also lead women's tours mm-hmm. to not to places where you're going to get a plastic umbrella in your drink, necessarily. Um, but you also, don't you give them a journal? to uh, I have, to accompany them?
1: I have but, yeah. So they each so have one, you... and we'll, we'll, we'll do them. Some countries, I haven't given it to them because I haven't been to that country before, and so oh. I need to to do some more research on it before I, I make one of the books. But I've been working for uh, Kelly Lewis, And her amazing company called Damesley, which is an all-women's travel company. And we take small groups to places around the world that people might feel uncomfortable going by themselves. Or maybe uh, it's a woman who doesn't have a partner at the time to go travel with or somebody who can't take a trip. And they want to be in a small group. So I've made these books for Jordan and for Egypt and Oman. And Bhutan and Antarctica, which has been fun. Um, some of these were trips that I just went on on my own, and I've said now I want to make these books. I went, uh, took another group to Bhutan and had a fabulous time, uh, not through Kelly but through another organization, and have written half a book on Bhutan. I need to go back to write more, which is a good excuse. So, so it's fun. I, I'm I'm not sure. You and I have talked about this. It's like you have a limited amount of time. And if you spread yourself too thinly, then things aren't going to get done as well as you would like, or you're not going to get anything done. And I need to really focus on one thing at a time, which is not my forte. Hmm. So I'm, I'm working on that. (laughs) Well, you're, you're pretty
0: good at multitasking. I've watched and, and you have a lot of balls up in the air and you seem able to balance, uh, just fine. Um, I am curious, though, two things. Mm-hmm. What would you consider your very worst experience you've ever had traveling the world, and what would you consider your very best?
1: Wow. That wasn't on the list, or else I missed I know. I'm sorry. I told you we're <laughs> off. <laughs> um, well, the very worst comes to me um, when I think about somebody jumping in. To our car when we were driving in Uganda at the end of a trip on, on a highway where people were walking between the cars because we're only going like 10 miles an hour, but it's still fast for somebody to jump in and grab my cell phone out of my hand and took it away. And I lost all of my photos, all of my notes, all of anything that I had done from that trip because for some reason, even with a VPN, I could not back up everything to the cloud. The only thing that I saved happened to be the one post that I had made when I was there, which was my experience with the gorillas, mountain gorillas, which was an incredible experience. Um, and, and I, the reason I hesitate even to say that is it was a horrible experience, but so much good came out of it. I actually went back to Uganda again because I wanted to get more photos of some of the activities that I had been doing there, which included handing out these solar lamps to families that didn't have electricity And um, I wanted to be able to document that. And I ended up taking my son and godson with me. They were uh, out of college for the summer. And I would never have taken them if I didn't go back. So I think that you can frame things in a lot of different ways. Was it the worst or did it end up having a blessing with it? Um, As far as the best, being in Antarctica comes to mind. Because I feel like I saw our planet from a completely different perspective and understand so much more about how it works, how the airflow works, how the tides work, how it it's our cooling system. And if we do not take care of our planet with this climate change and with global warming, we're pretty much just shooting ourselves in the foot because we need to have that be cold down there in order to keep our planet cool and um it was probably one of the most beautiful places i've ever been the colors there are just outstanding the wildlife is incredible uh it, it was it was pretty mind blowing so that could have been one of the best but i could probably talk for 10 hours about things that have been the best because as you know as a traveler every time you go out you learn a new story you meet a new person you have your own comfort zone expanded and it's it's pretty great. It's a pretty great thing.
0: One of those things I think that really impresses me is um you're so open to those new experiences and to learning what it is that each place teaches you. You have started uh distributing solar lamps uh around the world, not just uh in one place. Talk a little bit about that. Why did you do it? What do you think it accomplishes?
1: Um, I wish I had one to show you. I thought I had one, but I think I gave my last one out in Thailand. Um so I need but to... we
0: will post a picture with the post of
1: great. I'll send you Yes. It's um they're pretty amazing. They're these foldable, collapsible solar lamps that open up. So light design has created them. Alice Minchu is the one who, who designed them. She's a professor of architecture at Columbia University. And they have a little solar panel on the top. They're very lightweight. They run for about eight hours, maybe 10, depending upon how much the battery has been charged. And I learned from her that a significant population in the world does not have access to electricity. I mean, I even think that if we had just a handful of people who didn't have any electricity, it's it's too many. But um, I looked online to try and find out exactly what that number is. I had been told it was 1.6 billion people didn't have access to electricity, but that number is about five years old. Maybe it's four years old. And uh, the world has made really good progress with bringing electricity to places that don't have it. South Sudan is the worst. Seven percent of its population has electricity. The rest has none. Um, Uganda is one that does not have very much And there might be areas where people have access to it, but it's so expensive or it doesn't work well. So they literally are living in apartment buildings that are completely dark with no electricity to plug in a refrigerator or anything that you would think of that we normally plug in. Our phones, um, they just don't have that. So it definitely keeps them in a different place in life without having it. I think right now it's more like 650 million people, don't have access to electricity. That's still huge. Oh, too many. Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) And so what happens, like, so Uganda, I'll give as an example, kids go to school, they bring home their homework, they get home just before it gets dark. And the only way that they can do their homework, either in the city or in a village home, is by somebody making a fire that has a lot of smoke, that goes everywhere so they're sitting by a really smoky fire breathing that in or they spend some of their family's valuable resources on kerosene which is toxic so they're sitting next to a toxic lamp and breathing those fumes in so the the amount of asthma in the world has skyrocketed as kids are trying to do homework families are trying to survive at night and um they're using these resources that aren't very good. So giving somebody a solar lamp not only gives them this fabulous light in their home. So can you imagine if you have a baby and it crawls away at night and you can't find it because it's dark. I mean, that just, oh my gosh, it's just, I can't even imagine it. I'm so spoiled by having all the amenities that I have as an American. Um, But it also means that they don't have to use their resources on something that's toxic for their kids. And I, Decided I'd heard Alice speak and asked her if I could um, get a few of these lamps to hand out when I was going on my trip to Uganda in a couple of weeks. And she sent me some, and I raised money for a few more, went out there, handed them out to different families, to different kids. And as I was doing it and realizing how much of a difference I was making in their individual lives by doing this, I felt so uplifted and inspired and good and their tears became my tears. And it just was like a a connection that was so beautiful that, and I'm supporting education, which is obviously something that's important to me. Um, I, I put everything else in comparison. It kind of dimmed everything else that I'd been doing. This seemed more important. So I, I went back, I did it again. I've taken them to a few other places and I'm, at the point right now where I'm trying to figure out what's the best way for me to support giving these solar lamps to people in need, whether it's a place where they've just had some kind of uh, natural disaster, whether it's in a war-torn country, whether it's um, in a place where they just never had it in the first place. I really want to support that because I know what a difference it's making. And um, I'm not sure whether I'm going to just join up with somebody who's already doing it. Whether I'm just going to keep getting money from friends and family, whether I'm going to start a nonprofit. There's so many nonprofits out there. I think maybe it would be better just to kind of partner up with somebody who's already doing something. But that's another thing I need to spend some time thinking about, because this is really important to me.
0: Well, I, I can't help but draw the connection with the way that you reach out to other people it seems to me that taking solar lamps is highly symbolic <laughs> to you. What kind of a message are you bringing when you give the gift of a light to people who have no electricity?
1: Well, you're seeing them and you're saying you matter, you have value. Oh, I've heard that before. <laughs> so that, it's, that definitely resonates for me. Um, you're giving them hope in a future where... They can save more of their resources for things like food or water. Um, And uh, you're helping support education. So you're saying that I believe in you. And I just, at some of the kids that we gave this to, it was so cool to see in the beginning how they were kind of hunched over. And obviously, you know, I don't look like most of the people in the places I've been handing out these lamps. So, you know, who is this lady coming here? And a lot of times in Uganda, the kids are used to, if they get anything, maybe it's a t-shirt, maybe it's chocolate. A lot of tourists bring chocolate to give to the kids. And I, I think it's sweet, but sweet. Huh? Um, <laughs> but It's not necessarily making a difference in their future, you know, and for just a little bit more money, you could do something that made a huge difference. But we, I would see the boys or the girls we were giving them to, and they would be hunched over. And then when my interpreter was there and explained what I was doing and that I was a teacher and that We found out, do you go to school? We usually would find somebody who was carrying home books or notebooks from school. And I had visited the schools and seen the kind of conditions that the kids are studying in. And I'm so amazed at the teachers for having 80 second graders in one small room where there's not even enough room for them to sit on the floor. They're so packed in there and they're teaching them and the kids are learning and it's amazing. But you would see these conditions and then you would say to them, I have a gift for you that is for you to take care of. So I believe that you are somebody that can take care of this and I trust you. And I want you to share it with your brothers and sisters. And I want you to share it with your neighbor, friends, kids. Um, and But you're the one in charge of it. And this is how it works and this is what you do. You We would sometimes have um, people just to kind of appear out of the bush and come in and and stand around and clap when they heard this and you'd see the kid go from like this to standing up tall and smiling and having this sense of purpose it was amazing all of us who were there um my uh, fr- friend i have a wonderful friend from uganda that arranged these travel uh, trips for me and she traveled with me and we had our driver and interpreter we all remarked on the significant physical change that you could see in these kids knowing that they had been bestowed with this gift because we trusted them. And um, it's been fun because when I went back, we visited one of the families that we had given it to originally, and he couldn't wait to show us the grades that he'd gotten in his wow. book and ran up and wanted to show us. And one of the grandmothers in another family, when we handed it out to her three little boys that we'd seen reading a magazine, so we knew they could read, um, turned to her daughter or granddaughter I don't know what it was, um, who's probably about 13, holding a little baby. And she looked at her and she said, now you can go back to school. And um, it just, it's kind of a ripple effect. And it's pretty great. I mean, (laughs) there's nothing I've done that's made me feel more just good about the efforts that it took to make it happen.
0: Well. We have about
1: five minutes left.
0: No. Um, just, I know it just went way too fast. i glad I get to um,
1: talk to you as much as I want anyway, though. So I know. Hard. That's true. That's true. But uh,
0: I do want to get back to the boat building because yes. we had a conversation. We went to a, it's one of the premier travel writers and photographers conferences in the U.S. And uh, so we were very inspired by the people that we met. But we've talked often about the fact that opportunities for travel writers seem to be shrinking. And uh, the old models of uh, submitting pitches to magazines are sort of going away for a lot of us. So we talked about the need to develop, we called them new boats, talk about that a little bit.
1: I loved that conversation with you because I was feeling pretty down. I was thinking, oh no, what have I done with my life? I missed my opportunity. The boat has already sailed. All these people that I admire so much as writers who are my age or younger are already on that boat with successful careers. And there aren't very many magazines even out there to accept travel writing. And if they are, they're going to be accepting it from these people that have this track record and all these lists of things that they've published before, it doesn't mean that it's impossible to get in there, but I really felt like the boat boat had sailed without me. And I was grappling with this and feeling so bad. And and the conversation we had was great because instead of us saying, oh no, 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 it's gonna be okay. Just keep working hard, we acknowledge that the boat has sailed without us. And we're not on that boat. They're all there partying, doing the things they need to do, working really hard, and it's it's gone and yet that doesn't mean that we can't build our own boat in this new landscape that's here with the digital age with uh Substack that you are so fabulous with knowing about with Patreon with um just even Instagram and TikTok and all these other things that a lot of those people on that boat aren't focusing on because they're used they have another way to get down the river um but I love that because what it did was it just kind of opened up the world for me and said, oh, okay, don't use that as a model as you're not on that boat. You did miss it, <laughs> but you have this. Yeah, other there's battle. another boat. Yeah, and it's and so, you, it. you, got you got that too. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and we're supporting each other as we kind of navigate this new territory and it's another form of travel.
0: Well, and I think it is so um, uh, indicative of, people who are passionate about doing things. Mm -hmm. And they're very aware of the passage of time like you've talked about, like I've talked about, and not willing to miss any opportunity uh, that they can grab before they check out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'd really like you to take a minute and talk directly to the person who's listening to us who may have had a fabulous career retired or not, maybe they're still young, but they yearn to step out and do it. Talk to that person, encourage them to do that.
1: Wow. I would just say, I mean, just do it. The Nike phrase um, (laughs) is a lot easier to say than to actually do. But the benefit is when you walk outside of your comfort zone it feels uncomfortable because you're outside of that comfort zone but then you start to get used to what you see around you 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 learn things about yourself i think the self discovery part of travel outside of your comfort zone is like one of the coolest things and you will discover what you're capable of and then you'll be comfortable with it and you've expanded this comfort zone and then you can step out of it again and try something else but i think that It'd be really great if our lives were maybe dramas, maybe comedies, but not tragedies. Mm -hmm. And it will be a tragedy if you don't try something that you've always wanted to do. If you don't follow that dream that that little kid when you were in second grade, seven years old, wanted to do, and you just let your life miss out on that experience, I think that would be sad. So I would say my last thing to share here is just let's not have our lives be tragedies. Even if there's a tragic experience, let's figure out how to get some blessing from that and move around it and keep going forward.
0: I think, too, the other thing that occurs to me is that it's not necessary to travel. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily that you need a lot of money. Look at your life and see what you've been doing for years, but not getting paid for Mm. identify your passion and then follow it and who knows where you'll end up but you will not you will not be lying in an ambulance saying to yourself why didn't i do that when i had time mm-hmm. that is tragedy right
1: was- yeah yeah and and we don't want to miss out on any of that so as absolutely says, just do it do just it. do it yeah just well use <laughs>
0: You so exemplify the spirit of carpe diem and seizing the day. You inspire me and I treasure our friendship immensely. Well, uh, you scary. always make me want to run faster and jump higher. And I appreciate that. That's probably another lesson that we need to learn is find somebody that will challenge you, that will encourage you. Uh, we, for example, we meet by Zoom once a month to talk about our goals that we've set months ago and how are we doing and what else can we do? Find that person that uh, encourages you, that compliments you, that pushes you to go further than you thought you could. That's, uh, That's who you are for me.
1: Well, and I will add one other thing. You need to find somebody who believes in you because Terry, you believe in me and I feel it and it's an amazing, amazing gift. So I just can't thank you enough for that. And um, I do think that there is somebody out there that will believe in you that you can have be your person.
0: Well, and if you're with someone, friend or whatever that doesn't believe in you, figure out how to spark that belief or run, don't walk (laughs) and find that person that does believe in you. Right, really
1: important, important. very important. Terry, I'm so excited about the podcast for you. I think it's going to be really cool. I can't wait to listen to other interviews that you did. You're very good at this. You have such a big heart, and uh, and I'm well. It's your natural being. Plus, I love listening to your voice. It's a really nice voice. Oh, thank you,
0: thank you. Well, the next one, the next one will be about a couple who had a really successful career. She was a mayor a very beloved mayor for 15 years, 16 years. He had an international uh, career in agriculture. Mm -hmm. They both retired and they could have done anything, but they've started a business called Spoken Wines where they travel the world and find wines with a story, not just wines that taste good, not just any old wine, but wines that have a story. And so they're going to come on and talk about that passion. Oh, I love that. How fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one too, but Hey, thank you so much. This has been really fun. And, um, I just, I appreciate it so much.
1: Well, I love you tons and thank you for including me. I feel very honored. You bet. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.